The South African Jewish Board of Deputies is the organization that engages with the South African government on behalf of the Jewish community. Join Cherise Zephard for the next hour to find out what the SAJBD has been up to. 101.9 High FM. If you had to ask what landmark for me best symbolizes Johannesburg, it would, without a doubt, be Ponte in Berea. It was built in 1975 as the first cylindrical skyscraper in Africa. Initially a desirable address, it is more often associated with urban decay and crime, with notable attempts to revive it. Enter here award-winning journalist Nicholas Bauer. In 2012, he founded Lala Nje, an organization that aims to challenge perceptions about Ponte through running inner-city emotions and experiences. This has allowed them to build and run a community center for the children and youth in the building. I'm absolutely thrilled to have Nicholas join me now. Nicholas, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity and uh, good morning to you and your listeners, Sharif. Nicholas, when was the first time you visited Ponte? It's quite a funny story. I was working for the Mail and Guardian in 2012 and I used to think I was the hipster to end all hipsters living in Maboneng. Uh, it's a uh, inner city development just to the east of, uh, of inner city Johannesburg. Um, and I used to see the <clears throat> lights at the top of Ponty meeting the lights at the bottom. So in other words, every couple of days, uh, when I was lucky enough to have a sundown and watch the sun go down and look over the skyline, I saw the floors at the top, um, you know, uh, the lights coming on and uh, the floors at the bottom. And every couple of days, there was a brand new floor that, uh, that was lighting up and Ponty, Seemed to have a lot more life in it. Um, and in any case, I, I, I caught wind of the, the, the fact that, uh, there was a bit of a revival going on and I, uh, posed the, the idea of doing a story around the building, uh, to my then editor, Nick Dawes. And, uh, in a nutshell, he sent me out to do the, the typical gangsterism, drugs, prostitution, crime story. And I arrived in May 2012. Uh, looking for that story and I didn't find that story. I instead, uh, found something completely different and, uh, left with a lease to stay instead of, uh, that stereotypical tale about, uh, where angels fear to tread in Joburg. So how long did you stay in Pontes and what is it like to stay in Pontes? Ah, fantastic. I mean, look, uh, you have to kind of live under the maxim of the juice being worth the squeeze if you want to live in Ponty because on the one hand, it is really such a spectacular experience. Uh, the view alone is worth, uh, to my mind, all of the trouble that you go through to, to live in Ponty or, you know, the, the, the fact that you, you'll wake up and sometimes be in the clouds. Uh, I lived on the 51st floor. Sometimes you'd wake up and you'd be above the clouds uh, when it's a misty day in Johannesburg and it'll be like you're taking a flight in the middle of a, of the Atlantic and you just have a, a, a carpet of cloud uh, underneath you. Um, but like I said, uh, the downside of that is that Hillbrow, Berea, Yeovil, the, the suburbs around Ponty, um, they are, are tough. Uh, they are plagued by a lot of problems that are synonymous with uh, inner city Joburg. Uh, crime is an issue. Gangsterism is an issue. Drugs are an issue. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of uh, how Lalanje, the social enterprise that I co-founded in 2012, was was born. Um, because as much as I was really just reveling in the the fact that I was living in this building that's uh, 
like you say, synonymous with the skyline of Joburg. Uh, you can't live there and not want to try and make some sort of difference or try and attempt to to do something for the community that uh, that you find yourself a part of. Nicholas, just before we go to Lalande, can you just tell me hmm? who lives in Ponte and also how long were you there for? Oh, yeah, of course. So, so I, I moved in pretty much about six weeks after I did that story uh, uh, for the Mail and Guardian. I I moved in and uh, stayed there for, I think in total it was about four and a half years, from 2012 through to the end of 2016. Or, uh, yeah, there and thereabouts. Um, and look, anybody and everybody lives in Ponty. Uh, when it opened up its doors in the mid 70s, it was the creme de la creme of in, inner city living. If you lived in Ponty, you were really part of the top 1% of society. It was shuau, very posh. Uh, and over the years, it went through many, very, uh, very many different iterations. It became the, the tallest, uh, slum in, in, uh, t- tallest vertical urban slum in the world. Um, but now as Africa's, uh, tallest residential skyscraper, uh, two and a half to 3,000 people call Ponty their home, and it's a mix of any African nation that you can, that you can think of, uh, South Africans, Zimbabweans, um, Gabonese, Zambians, uh, Malians, uh, you name it, the United States of Africa is encapsulated in Ponty's circular walls. And um, you mentioned, I think, 3,000 people? Yeah, so, so it, there's 484 apartments in, in Ponty itself. I wonder how that works. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it, it's 484 apartments uh, across 54 floors. We can never really put the, the, our finger on exactly how many people are living in Ponty at any given time. Um, but it's not overcrowded like it once was when it was a slum. Um and the fact of the matter is it's become a little bit of a beacon for the middle class in inner city Johannesburg uh, because it's safe, uh, it's a fairly decent price. Um, and really you have not only all different types of nationalities calling at home, but really all different types of classes, creeds, people from all walks of life live in Ponty and call it their home, you know, uh, be it the, the waiter that plies their trade or unfortunately used to ply their trade at uh, restaurants in Santon, um, you know, bankers, uh, working in the inner city at, uh, one of the big banks that's, that still have their headquarters in, in Johannesburg, uh, artisans like plumbers, builders, you name it, Ponty has it. And, um, it's a community that's formed out of necessity instead of want, you know, uh, people are drawn to Ponty because like I said, it's, um, it's a bit of a haven for the inner city's uh, middle class. You know? By no means are uh, they what we, you and I, Sharice, would, would call middle class. You know, in South Africa, you don't need to actually be that far up on the LSM scale to be considered middle class. Um, but you know, at the very least, you have to have a, a job and be able to pay rent because uh, the landlords, people that own the building, Kempston Truck and Hire Group, they they're on a pretty tight ship, but um, you know when you're when you're dealing with a building of of two and a half to three thousand people, uh, you do need to you do need to to govern with a bit of a iron fist wrapped in a tightly veiled uh, velvet glove. Glove. Tell me now about Dlalanje, how you started it, and 
how it's going. <laughs> it's also quite quite funny. I chuckle because it kind of happened by accident. Um, I, I moved in six weeks after doing the uh, the, the story on Ponty for the Mail and Guardian. And then I had my, my first sort of housewarming and a friend of mine, I, I come from the west of Johannesburg, from Rudderput. A, a friend of mine from Rudderput came to, to Ponty and then he moved in two weeks after that. And we, we, you know, the, the, the way Ponty works is that it's got 54 floors, but on the ground floor where you enter the residential side, there's a very, very big residential, uh, space, right? Uh, uh, not residential, commercial space rather. And um, that has a supermarket and, uh, takeaways and salon and all sorts of things. So, uh, my friend that I started Lala and Jay with, Michal, uh, we were walking around the one day and we thought, geez, we, we should become commercially involved in this building. It's a, it's a captive audience. You, you've got three thousand, two and a half to three thousand customers at, at your finger, fingertips. Let's, let's open up the laundromat because hardly anybody in Ponty had a, a washing machine, right? So we went to the, the landlords and they said, uh, sorry, you've just missed out in the laundromat. And, and uh, it would have been a vastly different tale had we got that laundromat because uh, it continues to print money to, to this day. And then we were going to open up a pie shop. And then we, we just took a look at each other and we thought, you know, we're two white dudes from the, the West Rand coming in to sell uh, polyunsaturated fats to <laughs> the community uh, of Ponty that uh, at the best of times you know, struggles to eat uh, healthy food uh, always. And then we, we realized that there's, you know, several hundred kids in Ponty that didn't have a place to call their own. You know, they, um, mulled around the, the building and ran around the passages and did, did the things that kids you know, do when they're, uh, you know, toddlers up to teenagers, you know. Um, and we thought, let's try and have a go at, uh, opening up like a, a play center. So we opened up a play center and I mean, if you think about it, it was, I don't know if you remember entertainment centers in, in malls, it was something along those lines. It had arcade games and it had pool tables and a foosball table and one or two other things. And, uh, to cut a long story short, I mean, the, the kids that came there, they, um, they wanted a little bit more. They, they said, ah, oh, we don't have a place to do homework. So we put desks in. Ah, oh, we don't have internet to do our homework. We, we put, uh, uh, internet line. Uh, uh, we need a little bit of help with our maths and science homework. So we've got tutors in and all of this costs money. And then, uh, once we emptied the machines from our entertainment center at the end of every month, we found that there was not even half the amount of money that we, we thought we were making and we were unable to make ends meet. And, um, we were actually on the verge of, of closing Glalange when we went back to Maboneng to talk about living in Ponty, such a hipster thing to do. Um, and at the end of that talk, one of the people in the crowd said, you know, you should really consider doing tours. And the rest, as they say, is history. Hey, we did our first tour in November 2012. Um, and people think we are crazy to this day taking people on tours of Hilbra, Berea, Yeovil, and Ponty itself. But, uh, you know, fast forward almost a decade down the line. We've been open for eight years. 20,000 people have come through our doors from all corners of the, of the planet. Um, you know, Germans, Americans, English, Indian, Chinese, tourists from all over, uh, the world have come and visited Lalanje and, and really seen a different side to Johannesburg because that's the most important thing for us. You know, Lalanje, we change perceptions of the inner city and 
and create opportunities for the youth in uh, in in a Johannesburg. And we do that by by taking these people on on, on tours, right? Um, and we've been lucky enough as well to to take schools on uh, on tours as well. Uh, we've done uh, some leadership uh, camps uh, for the likes of St. John's, St. Stidians. Uh, we've also had Brescia House uh, come through, and we've been very very lucky along the way. But the uh, the most gratifying thing is that. You know, I look back when we opened up in uh, 2012, uh, in October, uh, we we now employ over 20 people. Um, we've taken, like I said, 20,000 people through uh, our doors on, on tours. Uh, but the most gratifying element is that we've had the opportunity to, to, to have one community center. And now recently, about a year and a half ago, we launched a second community center. Uh, and they're essentially just places for kids to be kids where they very, very often can't be. You know? Like I mentioned, it's a, a tough area that we live in and we don't try and reinvent the wheel. We, we have a place where kids can come do their homework, where kids can come and read a book, where kids can come and surf the internet, where they can do pretty much whatever they want, uh, you know, under the, the watchful eye of, uh, Mama Zet. We've got, uh, you know, early childhood de- development center that's run by a, a teacher. That caters for four to eleven year olds, and then from uh, twelve to nineteen year olds, uh, we've we've actually got a, a, a young adult center that's run by a committee and overseen by by two uh, youth facilitators. And yeah, I mean we're we're just trying to we're trying to give the youth of Hillbrabbery and Yeovil the things that we took for granted when we were young. Um, and I think it's really important when you know you look at the society we live in, one of the most unequal on, uh, on, on earth here in South Africa. Nicholas, I imagine during the lockdown there have been no tours. When will your tours start again? So we've we've actually opened uh, for just Ponty tours, um, but obviously it's a bit difficult to to take people on tours at the moment. So we've had one or two people uh, come in the past three four weeks. Um, and hopefully, you know, once the peak passes and we enter into summer, we can start doing tours of not only the building, but the street as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's tough. Uh, we've always prided ourselves on being an organization that didn't need to rely on handouts, didn't need to rely on, uh, the charity of others. Not, not to say that we don't appreciate it. Um, it, it was just, it was good to be able to fund ourselves and, um, you know, very often if you uh, just go out and search for funding uh, as an NGO, the funding's there, but you, you very often lose your um, autonomy and you spend a lot of your time searching for money instead of doing the good work that you, 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 you sought to do in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we hope that uh, things will get back to normal eventually, but we know that it's a very long, long haul. Uh, economists rate the tourism industry in South Africa is not going to get back to where it once was at least for a year, maybe even longer. So we're open for tours at the moment, but um, something very exciting that we're working on is we've uh, uh, been lucky to partner with some people in the virtual reality space. And we've just spent the past couple of weeks going around Hillbrow and into Ponty and all of the corners that we visit. Uh, on our tours and and shooting uh, 360 degree virtual reality videos, so people will still be able to get the uh, Hillbrow uh, experience, the inner city experience, the the Ponty experience on the 51st floor, without leaving their lounge um, and uh, being completely immersed in uh, the inner city 
um, without leaving the comfort of their, their armchair. Nicholas, uh, if anybody would like to, I know <clears throat> as soon as possible, I'm going to be one, uh, one of your tours as soon as everything opens up properly. I'd like to see it, not virtually, but re- in in real life. Uh, how should we get hold of you? I can't wait for every single one of you guys to visit our website, www.dlalanje.org. That's D-L-A-L-A-N-J-E dot O-R-G. Uh, and you can book one of our tours there and you can also find out more about our virtual reality tours and also to to see how you can get involved as well you know a lot of people want to get involved um, in terms of, of giving back to uh, their community or helping people that are a little bit less lucky than them and it doesn't always involve money you know you can give your time you can help out and we have a lot of opportunities to to do the things that we really need to do as South Africans to ensure that we have a, a country that we're all proud of in the in the decades to come. Well, Nicholas, thank you so much for joining me and sharing about Pointy. It's absolutely fascinating and keep up the good work. I actually saw this amazing quote um, by a German writer, Norman Orler, who used Pointy as a setting of his book. And he says, Pointy sums up all the hope, all the wrong ideas of modernism, all the decay, all the craziness of the city. It's a symbolic building, a sort of white whale. It's, it's concrete fear, the Tower of Babel, and yet it is strangely beautiful. And um, Nicholas, you're taking it to that next step of revival and renewal and providing hope. So well done, and thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity, Sharice, and we hope to see you in Ponte in the not-too-distant future. Thank you very much. That was Nicholas Bauer talking about Lila and Jay.